Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. It's getting hot in here. Well, not literally. Uh, but that sense of temperature can cause some fairly major problems for people if they don't have it. And today we're going to talk about what to do if you have unfortunately gotten burned. We have an expert in the house. We have Dr. Robert Schultz, plastic surgeon and burn expert from Straub Medical Center. And we're going to talk a little bit about how do you protect your skin? What do you do to keep from getting burned, whether it be hot water or the sun or anywhere that it really does start to affect your skin and what are some of the remedies that you need to consider. So thank you for joining me today on The Body Show. Glad to be here. What are the most common ways that people get accidental burns? I mean, I know that there are big burns that occur over whole bodies, but on an average, average everyday basis, what are people doing that is giving them trouble? Well, we don't have an awful lot of uh, industrial burns here. There's no petrochemical industry. <clears throat> so much of our much of our burn admissions and outpatient burns are actually propane, cooking on a grill at home, uh, heating stuff up in a microwave, having a hot water heater that is turned up too high. Um, and then uh, some, of the, um, some of the different ways of concentrating marijuana and things like that, uh, which they use propane for, we've had quite a bit of that. And interestingly enough, uh, electronic cigarettes, the batteries uh, blow up. We've had probably seven or eight of those in the past year. Wow, I wouldn't have think, wouldn't have thought that that would just, you know, boom, there goes your cigarette blowing up a battery. But so, so if you, ouch, let's say you burn yourself, what are some of the initial things that you should do? What are the initial remedies and how do you know when it's bad enough that you're going to need some professional attention? Well, initially cool it, you know, uh, put, uh, don't, I mean, don't freeze it, but put as cold of a pack on it as you can comfortably tolerate. And uh, that will usually reduce the depth of the burn. You take some of the heat out of it. Uh, after that, it's it's really a matter of body surface area and your own patient personal pain tolerance. Um Small burns uh, that don't affect like your hands or face or critical parts of your body, you can pick up some bacitracin and treat it with that. Just daily, gently wash it in the shower and put bacitracin on it. The three levels of burns, partial thickness that we used to call second degree, um, full thickness we used to call third degree, uh, and a lot of that, like if you get a blister, everybody wants to cut it off. You shouldn't. You leave the blisters intact. So you keep it cool. If there's blisters on it, you leave the blisters be. Um, if it's a sunburn, if it's that which is first-degree burn, uh, you could even pick up some inexpensive steroid ointment or cream and put that on one time uh, before the bacitracin. And that'll also help the depth a little bit. Now, they often sell with sunscreen because I'm a big fan of sunscreen. Although I do try and go to the beach when it's almost dark. But they also sell things like aloe. How does that help? Is that just the cooling effect or is there any other sort of healing? You know, you'll see by the before you burn yourself sunscreen, you always see the little stack of the, the green aloe containers for after you did it wrong. And so how does that help people? 
Ella does. It's uh, it's it's you want to burn. You don't want to burn to dry out. Uh, so once the initial injury has been cooled down, uh, Aloe was famous for years, uh, and some of the biochemical companies then sort of figured out uh, what it was, and it's it's a uh, sort of a colloidal suspension that is um, nowadays made in many different types of uh, substances uh, synthetically. But it um, it's very soothing on a burn, and it keeps it hydrated. Um, you're probably better off after that initial application, though. After you, and you know, if you go out and cut one from the garden, be sure to wash it off before you put it on your burn. But um, then you're better off with something that has a little bit of antibacterial stuff in it, which is why you go to the the neosporin or the bacitracin. Is there any truth to taking aspirin to reduce inflammation after you've had sort of a bad sunburn? It does help, yeah. And the other uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, Aleve and Advil and all of those things, seem to to give you some benefit, yeah. The key is don't go back out in the sun if you've already burned your skin. Right. Yeah, burning is associated, everybody worries about skin cancer, but there's a huge increase in skin cancer um, danger if you do sunburn. If you just go out and get 15 minutes of unprotected sun a day, it's not really that bad. But if you get burned, that really puts you at high risk for, for the skin cancers, especially melanoma and basal cell. Do you ever go to Waikiki and see some of the folks that clearly didn't get the message on sunscreen? And, you know, you just... you don't really want to be that creepy person who goes up to them, but you so want them to cover that really red part of their body that they're re-exposing to the sun because it's their vacation and they don't want to miss out. And yet that's probably the worst thing they could do. It is. We've had, um, we've had a periodic admission to the burn unit where someone goes to Hanama Bay and gets, and you're in the water and you're snorkeling and your back is, of course, Exposed, right there, right. and they will actually get partial thickness burns of much of their back and the backs of their legs, so they can't even sit on the airplane to try to get home. Uh, so it's and it it'll be interesting too because now they've pulled some of the sunblocks off of the market, and um, I'm hoping that there will be a, the effectiveness of what they have here commercially will be as good as the stuff that was kind of doing damage to the coral reefs. Yeah, some of the chemical sunscreens are no longer going to be available with the idea that hopefully people will use more of the barrier sunscreens like the zinc oxide and the other ones that hopefully will give them the same level of protection. I think the biggest key is apply and reapply and reapply. You think it's waterproof and you can go just once. You can't. No, especially if you go in the water because it'll also kind of wash off. You need to kind of set a timer and remind yourself to do that. Yeah. Or just go to the beach when the sun is going down. Yeah. And yeah. then you don't have to worry. That is that is my trick. I go on the windward side, sun is setting on this side of the island, and, I, and I'm somewhere else, and 
I feel like I'm somehow protected and I actually am because there is no sun. So that definitely helps. But you alluded to the burn unit. That's something that, you know, Straub Medical Center has, I think, the only burn unit in the state. We do. And that is a inpatient setting for people if they've had severe enough burns that they can receive the care that they need. What sort of patients wind up in the burn unit? I mean, how bad do you have to be before you have to be in the hospital? And if so, how long does that usually last? It gets into body surface area and depth of burn. Uh, We have, well, uh, and it also gets into pain tolerance. We probably get 10 calls a week from different emergency departments around the state. And uh, that's their question, you know, should we send the patient over for admission? The key thing a patient has to do is they've got to wash the burn every day. They've got to put an antimicrobial on it. And and especially with children, they've got to be able to do that well. Because if they don't and it gets infected, then you'll convert a partial thickness burn to a full thickness burn. And uh, and the whole mechanism of a burn unit really is a place where you can wash a patient uh, in almost a semi-sterile atmosphere, but have nurses and personnel that can manage pain because uh, the, the pain with a burn is legendary, of course, uh, from a lot of uh, famous people that have gotten burned and articulate about how, uh, how terrible it is. So pain is certainly one of the things, ooh, just thinking about it kind of makes me think of some of those things I've heard about and no, never want to get a burn that bad. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here, and you're listening to The Body Show, and I'm here with my fellow colleague, Dr. Robert Schultz, plastic surgeon and burn expert at Straub Medical Center. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about what are the percentages about how much of the body happened to get burned and what does that mean and how that can translate into a change in the type of treatment that might be necessary. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Chaminade University, Inter-Island Solar Supply, and Hastings & Pleadwell, a communication company. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm here with Dr. Robert Schultz, plastic surgeon and burn expert from Straub Medical Center, and we're talking today about why you don't want to be burned. I mean, you just... You don't. And if you do get burned, don't go back out in the sun until your skin heals, because trust me, I've done that when I was younger. Not a good plan. It doesn't get any easier if you're already burned. But, you know, for some people, these can be very serious burns that can affect large areas of their body. And one of the things you mentioned is that periodically different hospitals will call because they want to know at what point what is the threshold where someone needs to come in. You mentioned and be in the hospital. You mentioned that if they are able to dress that burn and put on an antimicrobial daily, that can be helpful. There are different percentages. And I remember in medical school learning that this is depending on what part of the body is burnt, this is how much percent and you add it up. In general, what's the idea? If it's more than 10 or 15% of the body that has burned on the skin surface, is that a big deal? Is it only a major issue when it's 20, 30%? Does it depend on where? Depends on where. Uh, 10% of your hands and face, then you'd have to be admitted. Uh, 10% if it was maybe just on your chest or back, and you were a pretty pain-tolerant person and could wash it and apply bacitracin every day, you'd be okay. 
once you get up into the 20s, regardless of where it is, now you start to get physiologic changes of where you start to lose a lot of fluid from your vascular system. You have to have very vigorous IV fluids given. And uh, your your whole metabolism starts to change. Uh, many times you, you hardly recognize the people the next day because they're so swollen and they've taken so much fluid and put it into their, their other stuff other than the vascular system. Um, and that's the body's reaction. It is. It's yeah. not that they're just getting so many fluids in the hospital. The body's reaction is to put all this fluid into the tissue so they yeah. uh, they become almost enormously swollen and it's it's not for any reason that they can control. Uh, yeah, it's true and if you don't give them IV fluids, you won't maintain their blood pressure and years ago that's why people died of burns is because they didn't get adequate hydration and their uh, their kidneys shut down and then they ultimately would go. As you get further up into the full thickness burns, uh, then there's, you know, many things that have to be done, including if they're circumferential, you have to be sure they don't act like a tourniquet. And so there's there's a lot of different levels and intensities um, as you get into it. If there's a respiratory component to the burn, then that really increases the severity of what you do. So at what point is there a point where you would identify that somebody has burns severe enough that they're not survivable? Well, it's it's uh, dependent on age, where the burns are, and how deep they are. Uh, you do get what, but we've saved, and I mean routinely you can save 80% burns unless they're full thickness. Uh, and normally they're partially partial thickness and partial third. And what you have to do is to get all of the the skin off because it the, the skin that's really badly burned is toxic. <clears throat> and so you have to get it off, and then you put banked skin on it that uh, comes from a skin bank. And that buys you a lot of time because you may have only a small area where you can take skin from their skin and permanently graft them. So that gets into the real severe categories. Once a person is based again on age and their general health, once they get up into the 50 to 60 percent full thickness burn, uh, they're, they're, in a, they're in a challenge for living. Now, you mentioned a skin bank. So that means you have skin donors. We do. We actually, um, it's like kidney donors and all of that. We just, we, it comes frozen and it's from uh, donors on the mainland that have programs for that. Uh, so it is, uh, it is skin donors. So is that one of the other things you can donate if you're an organ donor? Yes. Yeah. Something to consider. Because if, if you are an organ donor, this is something that actually can help people who have burns. It's another, you know, I always think about, okay, if you're an organ donor, they may, they may utilize, you know, your heart or your kidneys or something else like that. But yeah, I I wouldn't have thought skin, but I guess it seems obvious, of course. It is. Yeah. And most, yeah, for most people, if they're organ donors, I mean, that's part of it. They don't, you know, they don't necessarily realize it because the kidneys and the heart are far more dramatic, but but the skin is a huge benefit to burn people. Is there a concern about rejection like there would be with other organs? Oh, they, it rejects in about 
it rejects in about three to four weeks, sometimes two weeks. But that, again, buys you time because you can take the skin from the area where you autograft, we call it, where it's their skin, and that will take forever. And uh, then the donor site will heal, and you can reharvest their skin and, uh, and just buy time that way. And sometimes you will put bank skin on, it will be rejected, and then you still don't have enough of the autograft or their skin. You'll put more banked skin on. Now, when I think about people who have suffered from serious burns, I often think of the skin healing looking almost melted in a way. Why does that happen? Based on your ability to form a scar. And we hear a lot in Hawaii about keloid because it's it's an autosomal dominant uh, type of uh, trait of which they make too much collagen and the scar that they make is very thick, um, very inelastic. It will make uh, their hands, their joints immobile. And uh, that will usually, um, some of it has to do with the depth, some of it just with the, the inherent characteristics of scarring that that patient has. Now, if someone's had a serious burn, are they at risk for having further infections in that area that might have started to heal after they've experienced the burn? Skin is fragile. Uh, well, if, if it goes to a full thickness that you graft, that skin is dry. It's uh, pretty easily injured, and so they do have to be careful for much of the rest of their life. They have to, If they go outside, they have to wear covered clothing that blocks UV and, and infrared. They have to wear hats, things like that, yeah. Now, one of the areas where you've mentioned before that people could get burnt, you know, we talk about other exposures like sun exposures or you mentioned electronic cigarette exposures or, you know, fireworks, I think, is one of the other exposures that are potentially preventable if you just don't play with fireworks. But, you know, these these things are accidental. Then there's sort of the everyday thing that could happen. And you mentioned that sometimes people just have their water heater too hot. And if they don't have that sensation of their body to know that it's too hot, you know, if you have some problems with sensation of your feet, whether it be diabetes or some other kind of neuropathy where the nerves don't work, you could put part of your body into a hot bath and not know how hot it is. Yeah, that's correct. We see that with some of our senior citizens. um, And sometimes they will run a tub and then they will step into the tub and then they get very frightened and they fall down uh, and slip before they can get their, their foot or leg out of the tub. And uh, we try to have everybody keep their hot water heater at 120 to 130 degrees, but some of the solar heaters are much, much hotter than that. And uh, that's one of our more common burns with, uh, with our elderly population. All right, we're going to talk more about what you do if that happens in just a moment. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking with my friend and colleague, Dr. Bob Schultz, about what else you can do if someone you love or even if you yourself have experienced a serious burn, just even an accidental one that might be in your house. We'll be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. 
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Dr. Robert Schultz. He's a plastic surgeon and burn expert at Straub Medical Center and helps run the Burn Center of the Pacific, which is in Straub Medical Center in the hospital. And we're talking about what to do if you unfortunately experience a burn. It's usually accidental. Nobody really intentionally tries to do this. But you mentioned that sometimes, boy, if if you're in the bath or if your hot water heater tends to go up to really high degrees and everybody wants to have solar heaters these days. I mean, it saves electricity and it utilizes the sun as our energy source, but it may not be as controllable with your hot water as you would want it to be. So now we're dealing with situations where people may have balance issues or they go into a bathtub and by definition it's slippery and it's wet and so they could have some serious troubles and if they fall and slip in that hot water I'm just thinking of how horrible that outcome could be. There are some changes that occur in the skin as we get older. Does it make it more susceptible to having burns that are partial or full thickness? It does. Yeah. The um, Normally under two years old and above 60 years old our skin uh, will go to a full thickness burn much easier. And um, yeah, and we also an interesting thing about that, walk-in tubs are becoming far more popular for that reason. Because for if uh, you're not particularly agile or if, you know, you're, you're elderly, you can get in the tub, close the door and run the water. And so you're not, you're not trying to get out of a bathtub uh, on sort of a, a quick basis. You open the door, all the water comes out. <laughs> I mean, I see those ads pretty much every Sunday. Yeah, you know, there's very the coupon now. section is, yeah. you know, do you want a walk-in tub? Because people generally like the idea of a bath, and wouldn't it be nice to be able to get in and out without having that mobility issue, which yeah. is difficult for anybody, but particularly people as they get older. And in that situation, you're right, you, you could get out, but could you, you'd still be susceptible, I would think, if you don't have good sensation of your feet to know that, hey, the water is too hot. I've got to be careful here. For our diabetic patients, that's true. I yeah. would wonder even if you're just washing dishes or, you know, if you have your water heater just set too hot for even everyday tasks, that you really have to be careful with that. You do, yeah. Because that'll affect your hands. And if you burn your hands... That's kind of your livelihood for most people, even to just do their own self-care. You kind of need to have function of your hands. Microwave ovens are another thing that uh, sometimes will surprise people. They'll have coffee or some beverage or a casserole in, and they will uh, they'll get it out and um, drink it or put it up to their mouth, and it's uh, it's actually boiling, and they don't recognize it because sometimes the container it's in hasn't really pick that amount of heat up to alarm them. And what do you do then? I mean, if you get a burn and it's in your mouth and it's affecting your eating. It's like an inhalation injury. Uh, sometimes if it gets back to the point of where it might start to swell and close their airway, then they have to have a tube put in to protect the airway until that edema goes away. That can be very serious. I can just picture... If you drink coffee that's too hot or if you microwave tea or, you know, microwaves, you're right. The containers may not get hot, but what's in it can be particularly hot. Correct. And, you know, you can put your finger in there and say, is this too hot? But if your finger's a little numb, that's not going to help you so much. And even then, it may not feel like it's so hot, but then you might have burnt your finger. So yeah. no matter what, just just stay away from stuff that's too hot. Now, 
with the folks who unfortunately wind up coming through the burn unit because they have to be admitted, those sorts of hospital stays tend to be very long because they have significant needs and they have to have certain types of baths and dressing changes. And the average length of stay for someone who has a serious burn could be how long? Oh, six weeks, eight weeks. Um, and it's interesting because a, a person can have a near critical burn, but they can be articulate and walk into the emergency room. And all of the physiologic and metabolic things don't kick in for about eight to 12 hours. And when you tell them, you know, you're going to probably be with us for a month or so, they're in total disbelief and until the next day. And uh, so it's it's really based on the partial thickness burns. Uh, that's the sort of saying, the blister burns are the most painful, but they'll heal in about 10 days if you take care of them. But as you get into the deep second degree and third degree, now they have to be grafted. So there's a, a time going up to that where you're getting the skin off and preparing them for a graft, and then the grafting and then protecting the graft while they're there. So most full thickness burns, you're looking at at least a month and some usually six weeks to two months. Wow. I mean, the hospital is a great place to be in all. I mean, granted, we work in one, so we obviously have an affinity. We think it's a safe place, but... I don't know if I'd want to be a patient for two months in the hospital because I had a burn that required that much intensity of care. So I will never play with fireworks. I will never play with electronic cigarettes. And I will try not to over microwave my food because those are some of the common things that I think, unfortunately, people uh, get get involved in. And, you know, I'm sure every January 1st, you see a lot of folks or even July 4th or July 5th that might be participating in some of the fireworks and I, I always seem to hear like there's always somebody who has a serious injury, either like blows off some other hand or gets serious burns from that sort of event. So I gather you're quite busy around that time of year. Used to be much worse. Now you see because of the uh, the illegal fireworks that are almost like mortars or, or, you know, some sort of a military device. About every year we'll lose one or two uh, people that it actually blows up and, and hits them, uh, like one woman in the chest, and uh, and she died almost on the spot. So it's gotten better, but the amount of illegal fireworks is just, it's impressive. I mean, it's uh, all over the state. There was an interesting photo off of uh, one of the mountains, and there must have been 500 illegal rockets going up, you know, at the height of New Year's Eve. It makes you wonder, by making it illegal, have we really what fixed we anything? Because, yeah. unfortunately, then people might search for more incendiary devices to yeah. be able to celebrate, and they want to celebrate, and we've taken away the simple ones, so yeah. now they wind up getting the more complicated fireworks and thus having the greater chances of injury and some of the other sequelae that, unfortunately, could put them at further risk for becoming a patient of yours yeah. in the burn unit for an extended period of time that they may not otherwise anticipate. So we've talked today from the simple stuff, be careful when you're out in the sun, be careful with your sunscreen, to some of the more complicated stuff. Hey, if you do have a burn, don't go back out in the sun and some of the immediate first aid care that people can do. You mentioned don't pop the blister. Correct. Is that because there's good healing fluid in the blister that's trying to help you? 
It is. It hydrates the wound and it keeps the wound sterile. And uh, it will heal probably about 20%, 30% faster than if the blister is cut off and now the, the bed that's now extremely painful is exposed to air. And dry. Yeah, and to dry out, right, which deepens it. And then if you put a, you know, anytime you poke a hole in something to drain fluid, you got to realize you just let some bacteria in a nice little puka there. Yep, exactly. You don't want to do that either. All right, so I'm now motivated to never get burnt and uh, to never play with things that could get me burnt, but certainly to never have to be a patient for two months because, I mean, I give a lot of credit to some of the burn nurses. They do such an amazing job. Yeah, they do. And to you and the whole burn team that really absolutely transforms people from what could be a critical life-threatening situation to watching them walk out. And that's got to be one of the most fulfilling things for you as their physician, but also for the staff to see them survive that. So I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org and find us. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Thanks again to Dr. Robert Schultz at Straub Medical Center, plastic surgeon and burn expert. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk more about health topics right here on The Body Show. See you then. 